Welcome to Checks and Balances. I'm Michael Vincent. This is James Blair. And this week we're joined by James Cochran, a partner at Stace Hammond and all things crypto to discuss those huge crypto returns, massive upside, very little downside. So our crypto lawyer is back, James Cochran from Stace Hammond. James, episode number three. If you have not watched the other two episodes, shame on you. Stop now. Go watch the other two. Because in the first one, James gave his own um, experience with crypto. And then the beginning, then we started talking about some of the concepts around blockchain um, and how it's grown into this sort of mass market product. James, my next question for you is... When a market is starting out and people are joining it, there's huge opportunity, right? And the market is growing, there's great returns. Um, but that percentage of growth, which is really, really exponential, has to slow down at a point in time just because there's only so many people in the world. The people doubling their money and making huge returns, from like a finance 101 perspective, I'm like, surely that can't last. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. right? Um, I think with some of the more established um, bigger market cap cryptos like Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, uh, that's, it's going to be a lot harder for Bitcoin to have those, you know, sort of um, 100x, 1,000x yeah. uh, growth returns, right? Um, the way I think about um, the way I think about it is those those big cryptos basically need to steal market share off other assets, right? They need to steal steal market share from uh, equities, stocks, or bonds, cash, fixed asset, right? So, is it possible that um, big money managers, retail, will decide? You know what? I don't want to. Um, put all my money into stocks or I, I don't want to hold my money in cash because I'm not getting the return, the yield that I need. Maybe I might just allocate a little bit to crypto. What are they probably going to allocate to first? The oldest, yeah, the most biggest, established, yeah. m- the most proven. Um, yeah, so is there a chance that it could get a lot bigger? Absolutely. You know, there's uh, one asset manager called ARK who I think they predict that crypto's market cap will be, by 2030, will be 50 million. Mm. Oh, sorry, 50 trillion. Uh, currently, it's 1.8 trillion. Right. So that's um, like 27x or something you like that. You did that math, from- Mike? Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess it's, a, it's an, an interesting question as well in terms of this expen- 2008 as a I- ideation and starting to build, maybe around 2018 really starting to pick up speed you probably answered the question there through this like boom how far and obviously there's um, peaks and troughs and there's the short term volatility which we all understand um, or at least should understand that if you're investing in this kind of stuff you've you've got to understand that it could go to zero and it's going to be a very volatile ride but um, in terms of the the growth of the sector and how big it can get how far through that journey are we? I I think we're super super early you know it, it a lot of people compare it to um, the internet in the early 90s, right? So maybe there are parallels between uh, the um, crash in, um, you know, tech stocks yeah. uh, in the early 2000s, right, because the market gets 
too excited and overheated and then people you know cash out and, and mm. then it drops and a lot of the uh, a lot of crypto runs on narrative yeah you know so you will see uh, Elon Musk you know buys one and a half billion dollars of Bitcoin for Tesla boom mm. right to um, the moon. You know China's ba- China's banning crypto mining down and um, I guess that's one of the things I look at is called the the crypto fear and greed index. Yeah, mm. and um, yeah, that that just sort of shows because when people are scared, like they are now, right? So when the global macro outlook looks really bad, the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. They're winding back their quantitative easing. Our RBNZ is raising interest rates. That means your mortgage rate is going up. That means the the debt that you've got on your house is more expensive to pay. Yeah. The debt that you've got on your business is more expensive. You start taking money out of risky assets or you don't have as much money to allocate to risky yeah. assets and you want to um, keep it safe, mm. hold it in cash or whatever. And... Um, but ultimately, once we have got through this, I guess, big inflation problem, which is currently facing the central banks, um, then they will try and, I, I anticipate, stabilise things. They might get the money printers going again, because if we have a, a period of um, stagflation or recession, uh, which is bad, is basically where everyone closes their wallets, it's just bad generally. It's then, good for the insolvency guy, right? It's good yeah. for the insolvency guys. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, um, I guess the thing is, you know, for insolvency clients, um, they uh, generally found, um, you know, you would have thought they would have had a, a ton of work mm. after 2020, but the monetary policy, the money printing, yeah. all the um, – um, banks being kind to borrowers, and then you know, IRD not chasing anyone, basically meant there was little. It was actually a reduction yeah. in insolvency. Mm. Um, the real winners, James, were the family lawyers because everybody was stuck at home with their wife, husband, and kids. And, yeah, and all those divorces. Oh well, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> I mean, pr- pretty grim. Um, but also, you know, the property market. Mm. Yeah, mm. because when they turn the printers on, mm. there's more money in the system. Uh, people, yeah, what that. This is how I understand it. There's more money in the system. It means that um, effectively you're devaluing the currency. Your dollar is worth less next year. Mm. And so people look to um, uh, what they call hard assets, which hold their value. Yeah. Right? So, um, if, for example, if they print 20% more cash, the thing that was the way the economics works is Bear in mind, I didn't study economics. Um, the way it works is if there's 20% more cash in the system, the thing that costs you a dollar is probably going to end up costing a dollar twenty next year, right? So your the the savings are actually you know mm. being devalued, and so that's why things like property, which are tradi- traditionally um, good stores of value, why they why they tend to take off. Yeah, um, and I guess at the moment there's this. That's the idea. One of the ideas behind Bitcoin, uh, that Bitcoin has a fixed monetary policy. There's only 21 million um, bitcoins. You can divide each one by 100 million satoshis, but ultimately, that's got like this fixed monetary policy, this fixed issuance that creates um, a like a, a 
predictable level of supply and demand. And so if the supply of the coins entering the, the system, um, well, if the demand for those coins exceeds the supply, then number go up. And the idea is, or is Bitcoin going to be a, um, a store of value? Mm. Um, or is it what's currently, how it's really being treated at the moment is like a, a what you call a risk-on asset. Yeah. You know, like, a, uh, like an emerging market stock or, uh, you know, a risky tech stock. So you kind of see the way that the market moves. If the market is scared, there's often a sell-off in risk-on um, stocks. Like you would have seen a big sell-off, a lot of volatility in the, Na- the NASDAQ, which is the tech index. So there's some big drop, you know, um, Facebook slash Meta. That's another thing that we can get onto if you want to. But, you know, changing its name to Meta, which is um, both exciting from a crypto sense, but also scary. Because yep. Anyway, you know, um, those sort of big stocks, you should, you know, these um, trillion dollar stocks, you shouldn't be seeing that sort of volatility in those, you know, sort of A-grade stocks but it is, that's what happens yeah mm. it, and it's because of that narrative the fear people move but as soon as the the market you know right now you might be seeing a real cool off in the hot in the property market because you know people don't want to pay additional interest on their mortgage yeah the, the developers are worried about the inflation and the cost of the materials and not being able to have any margin you know that sort of stuff so once they sort that stuff out when the growth is Stimulated, I guess, by the um, the um, monetary and fiscal policy of central banks and governments, then um, you know, risk on assets are going to be a place where asset managers are probably going to want to. Yeah. You know, right now the building's burning. That's <laughs> how I view it. Um, James, let me come back to your point, and I think a really good analogy around the tech bubble um, in the early two thousands, very early two thousands, um, where. I've heard a lot of people compare it, and I think there's a lot of legitimacy to the comparison, where when in, when there's a movement, right, um, the movement has so much uh, uh, backing behind it, so much money, so much growth, that just like the internet, the, um, the outcome in terms of the impact it will have on society going forward is uh, not in question. The question is who are going to be the winners. And that was a big thing with the tech bubble. You had all of this money being pumped into these companies and 95% of them went went bust. And that, so we're going to do a, a, the next podcast is going to be around different types of coins. But in terms of how do you pick the winners and can you see something similar happening where maybe Bitcoin and Ethereum, while cryptocurrency will be, part of the world going forward, maybe those um, early coins might not necessarily be the winners long term. What are your, what are yeah, your thoughts? I, it's, it's a really, really good question. Um, and possibly this is why there aren't that many uh, financial advisors, asset managers in New Zealand, with, not that I'm aware of, who are actually allocating um, uh, because it is so tricky to pick who are going to be the winners and who are going to be the los- mm. losers. And um, uh, I guess that's kind of how uh, I approach my investments, right? I look at, I try and think about what would an asset manager do? Um, Because I guess that that sort of gives you a 
well, it gives me a sense of security that some yeah. other, um, some one else is at least going to allocate to the, the particular token that I'm interested in. Mm. And um, but you look at the the networks as well. How strong is the the network? Um, the communities behind it. So something like Bitcoin has got you know tons of people writing academic and speaking academically about it. It's got a huge institutional interest. You know, big private, um, publicly listed companies like like Tesla have allocated it. Um, um, there are well, you know, nation states now adopting it. El Salvador. Um, I think Ukraine actually legalized crypto mm. the other day. Um, Tonga is looking at, um, there's a proposal that it um, uh, can have Bitcoin as legal tender. Um, can I ask you, like, what does, uh, like, Ukraine legalizing, what, what, what does that mean? Um, <clears throat> well, yeah. So some countries uh, have banned it or... Um, you know, or, or uh, regulate it heavily, and I guess uh, Ukraine legalizing it. Um, that that means that the, uh, the I guess there's the citizenry can go, okay, well I can hold this stuff. I don't have to be worried. You know that if I hold my um, crypto on a Ukrainian exchange, that it's going to be confiscated or yeah, whatever. Um, and, and I guess that promotes uh, interest in business and things like that, right? There's a if if it is uh, treated as legal tender, which is what they did in El Salvador, mm. then that changes the tax treatment of it. So um, I don't want to bore everyone with tax chat, but the the way that um, crypto is taxed in New Zealand is that it's taxed as property. So, yeah. Um, so if there is a gain in the uh, value of the crypto, and you sell it, you convert it to Ethereum or Solana or AVAX or whatever, you turn it back into New Zealand dollars. You realise a profit, then um, the IRD generally presumes uh, that your intention was to um, to sell it for a profit, mm. right? Unless you have probably clearly documented an alternative intention and you know that's probably a podcast for another day but uh, when the tax treatment of it changes and you're not worried about um, getting hit with uh, you know tax compliance and um, tax liabilities then that creates uh, accelerates adoption yeah okay and the idea of I mean the con- come back to that concept of legalizing it by country. Um, do I mean some ban it, some legalize it? Are there lots in the middle who have just kind of not really addressed it? Or yeah, there's. Um, well, I mean, if you if you think about New Zealand, at the moment, New Zealand doesn't have any crypto specific legislation. Yeah, there's no crypto law, right? There are laws that apply to. Um, to people who are trying to run crypto-related businesses, there's quite a lot of compliance mm. um, for some of these businesses. You know, if you're if you're launching an NFT uh, project, for example, you might have to comply with our Financial Markets Conduct Act, which is New Zealand equivalent of the Securities Act in the yeah. US. Um, and 
you guys all know all about that. They have disclosure requirements, and, and depending on what it is, there might need to be a fund manager. Or, you know. um, so, yeah. Um, does does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's just because my view on New Zealand, the Financial Markets Authority, um, is I mean, instead of the Financial Markets Authority, right? So they, as a financial advisor, they can come into our house whenever they like, and you know, shares, financial advice, investment property, mortgage broking has been around a long enough time that they know how to treat it. They know what good looks like. They know the things we should be doing. Um, the crypto space, they're trying to work out how to how to treat it right and yeah. what to be doing, and they've got this historical framework which they're trying to pigeonhole people into yeah. but it's yeah. almost like a learning as you go what it's, to do it's it's very much like that right and there's a lot of governments just getting back to your question not every government is approaching it the same way you know there are some places where it's banned tend to be the more authoritarian um, regimes um, but then there are other places where uh, they're making it more welcoming and you know for example like uh, Portugal no tax on crypto. Mm. Uh, um, same thing with El Salvador. That uh, encourages people, you know, to, you know, if they don't want to pay tax, then, you know, maybe that's a, a possible destination for you, right? Yep. Um, yes, they hunt out regimes, um, places where they're more friendly, mm. you know, to, to the tech. Um, and, you know, the governments are going through this um, exploration, right? Our, our, our own parliament is, uh, last year it did a, um, it launched a inquiry into the use of cryptocurrency. Um, being the nerd that I am, I decided to do a submission um, yeah, to, to the parliament. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, um, basically try, I see my, my role as a, a lawyer to be like an interpreter because lots of people don't understand this stuff. They're scared of it and, you know, there might be a knee-jerk reaction, which is actually not good for New Zealand yeah. if they don't properly understand it. And, um, you know, in the US, Joseph Biden just announced um, – um, uh, did he vote on pass uh, an executive order um, – basically doing the same thing, you know, inquiring into crypto, they're really exploring how it should be regulated and that sort of stuff. So let me ask you, you've clearly spent some time thinking about how New Zealand should treat cryptocurrency. Maybe don't talk us through your, your whole paper, but um, yeah. kind of at high, high level, how, how do you think New Zealand should treat it? Uh, well, if you want to read it, that I, I quite Link like... in the, in the yeah. uh, description. I'm going to shill <laughs> now. Yeah, it's available on our Stace Hammond website. Nice. But um, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I guess the, the the headline of the paper is, well, this is kind of how, what is crypto? This is sort of a bit how it works. Some of the stuff that we've been through, actually. Mm. And um, uh, things that they're quite interested in are um, it, crypto's effect on the environment, uh, crypto's um, possibly impact on the financial system, you know, its use uh, for nefarious purposes, crime, um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I guess my 
headline submission was let's try and do something which is similar to um, Australia, which is let's be let's learn about it, understand it, not do anything that's too over-regulated, yeah. which is going to stifle growth. Uh, let's approach it with a, um, an open mind. Speak to the best people around the, the world, you know, people who just do crypto mm. for you know, their job mm. and, and learn from them, learn from the experience of other governments and things like that. Uh, but maybe we do need to have um, a, a specialty crypto law that, um, you know, for example, has standardised disclosure or terms or something like yeah. that around a, an ICO or uh, which is an initial coin offering or, um, yeah, um, that that sort of stuff. You know, so if someone's la- launching an NFT project, they can have a you know sort of standardised, understood way of disclosing things so that they can be compliant yeah. without having to spend tons and tons of money on lawyers to understand mm. what might I have a, a risk with. Yeah, you know, if you're doing an NFT project. And you're receiving um, crypto and holding that as a treasury, might that you know trigger Securities Act requirements? Might you also be a um, virtual asset service pro- provider? N- need to be um, you know compliant with AML, yeah, money laundering law. You know, just there needs to be, I guess, more education, mm-hmm. more assistance from uh, like our regulators. FMA um, and IRD have sort of done a you know credible start. RBNZ has released some papers as well, but um, it just needs to be more, and it needs to be on podcast, right? Because not everyone consumes their information by reading, you know, long written papers. Yeah. Some people like listening. Some people like watching uh, YouTube clips. Mm. Um, some. Um, some people just can't handle a long-form thing. You know, yeah. they might require lots of shorter snippets or whatever. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's the headline submission. I guess there's, um, you know, we've got organisations in New Zealand uh, like Blockchain NZ, which are, are basically trying to um, facilitate that purpose, help people understand crypto. Um, there's you know a lot of great uh, educational material on some of the New Zealand-based um, businesses' sites. Like Easy Crypto's got a whole heap of really good educational material mm. where you can learn more about it. Um, yeah, so the the nice. more the more business gets behind it, the more educated people will be, the more comfortable people that will be, uh, and um, yeah, the more adopted it's probably going to get. And, um, yeah, I guess getting back to your original question or your, um, about adoption and getting those big gains, the more people who are using the network tends to mean that the network has more value. Yeah. Yep. Um, so while you might not be getting these really big juicy gains on the, the bigger market cap coins, there's still plenty of opportunity if you want to largely gamble on really speculative early VC stuff, um, just recognise that that's what it is. You could get, um, um, you know, could go to zero. 
yeah. very easily. And 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 look out for the checks and balances coin coming October 2022. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's not a gamble at all. Yeah, Mike's in a gold jacket. <laughs> Speaking of gambling, that segues, segues us quite nicely into our episode next week where we're going to be talking about all different types of coins from the more established ones to those ones that are very new and some might be great, some might not be so great. So make sure to check out that episode next week. James, thank you very much for joining us again. Please make sure to subscribe, review, give us a like, to share the message like James is saying. The more that can get out, uh, the more the subject will become more informed um, so people can make better decisions. We'll see you next week. Cheers.